You're listening to Banter with the Boys. Talking all things sports. From betting and brawls, Super Bowl to Stanley Cup Finals. Get laced up. It's time for Banter with the Boys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Banner with the Boys. We have our third episode coming at you today. Today, we're going to be recapping some of the offseason news that has happened so far and also go over the NFL honors, which is the NFL awards for the year. So that's going to be pretty fun, but let's get everybody in here. So today, we are joined by three fabulous gentlemen. We'll start with Kyle. How we doing? How we feeling, sir? Oh, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I'm really excited to finally get uh, episode three rolling. And next, we do have our resident degenerate back, Moneylines with Mikey. How we doing today? Thank you, Tyler, for your heartfelt derogatory remarks, as always. Um, I have actually been off the train a little bit. I haven't made the trip to Diamond Joe's in a couple weeks, but I will be getting back on the wagon here soon for all of our lovely listeners out there, uh, as we truly appreciate them. And they definitely need those money lines, uh, without a doubt. Well, we're glad to hear you're going to be back to your d- degenerate ways there, Stanny. But uh, to my right here, we have Nick. How you doing, sir? Oh, you know, I'm just over here enjoying all the beautiful faces around me, ready to just talk some sports and uh, just kick back and banner with the boys. Love to hear Mr. Nick. And as always, we have to thank Mr. Kevin behind the sticks, making this all happen, brother. We really do appreciate it. And one more time, let's give him a round of applause. Thanks, Kevin. Beautiful, beautiful face there. All right, boys, let's get this thing started, man. So we are going to start off with the NFL honors. We're going to kind of go over all of the awards. We're going to cover who did indeed win the award. And then one person is going to also say who they think would have been the most deserving second to that person. Uh, So we're going to have some fun with this one. But we're going to start off with the most important award of them all, the MVP. Mr. Mahomes got it, as we all know. He had one heck of a year, but let's hear what other takes we do have. Kyle, I know you had a certain someone that made another Super Bowl appearance there. What do you got, man? So, obviously, Mahomes is the MVP, I I still think, but Jalen Hurts, you know, you could put him right up there uh, as deserving for the MVP. Uh, This man could have easily won the Super Bowl MVP going head-to-head and outplaying uh, Patty Mahomes in the Super Bowl was very fun to see. I think Hertz, who, by the way, is only 24 years old, is a top five quarterback in this league. He has that it factor. He's all He has all the tools. He's got the arm strength. He can run. I feel like he kind of felt under the radar a little bit this year because the NFC was just so wide open. And you didn't really hear his name so much, I think. Um you still heard Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady even. like I think Hurts kind of fell under under that radar. But he produced some pretty good stats. I wouldn't say he didn't have as many touchdown throws as a lot of quarterbacks, I think. I think he was top 10 in passing touchdowns. But he did, you know, he had 750 rush yards. So that's pretty impressive. And then he also... Only had like six interceptions this year, which it, which is pretty pretty damn good. So I'd put him, you know, in that top five category. And I think, you know, the future is really bright for the Eagles for sure. Just based off the Super Bowl, I mean, he just went head to head with one of the best. So 
the future's definitely looking bright for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Kyle. Uh, the future is showing a whole bunch of cars on fire in Philadelphia. That that uh, that man has truly some talent to keep going for years. Definitely cannot agree more with Nick and Kyle here. Uh, myself, especially with my car not being paid off here, I for sure would not park within 30 miles of Philadelphia at least for the next who knows what the future. And the main reason why I agree with them is two key words. It's first of inconsistency, right? He was the first quarterback to amass 10 rushing touchdowns, more than 10 rushing touchdowns in back-to-back seasons. Uh, He had 10 his first season with 139 attempts and 13 the following season with 165 attempts. He's the core of this offense. Um, It's amazing. And, And we've had many talks on the prior podcast about the generational talent I think it's definitely the beginning of it. Obviously, that means a, you know a longer tenure. So we'll see what he does next year. He, they lost a lot of weapons. They lost a lot of coaches. If he can do what he did these last two years again next year, I think the the debate will be settled. Uh, but at the end of the day, he didn't win the big game. He did have a crucial fumble that was a major major factor in the game, and Mahomes won it. And and, and that's going to be why we'll talk about later why I end up you know choosing Mahomes at the end of the day. But still, I mean, Jalen definitely made a huge case, a huge argument. And for just a 24-year-old, I mean, his first two seasons, it's what a story he's starting to write, you know. Um, And definitely, we'll see. It might be the beginning of a legacy. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think, all we got. Unless any other comments from the room on Hurts here. That's some very, very good points, boys. Hertz had one heck of a year, and one thing that wasn't mentioned is he actually was tied for the second most rushing touchdowns on the year with Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry, which is just insane from the quarterback level, um, which goes just goes to show how truly great he was last year, and uh, I, I hope he can continue to make a career out of this because he's, he's certainly one of the young, bright stars in the league. But let's take a, f- a shift here now. So my MVP is not one that is will probably ever happen in this league with it being such a quarterback-driven league, and the MVP is typically the best quarterback on the best team. That's, I mean, Mahomes played very, very well this year. I don't think anybody is going to disagree that he is deserving of it, but I just want to shout out Justin Jefferson. What this man did this year was just insane. He had 128 receptions on 184 targets, 1,809 yards. All three of those were first in the league this year, and that many yards is actually sixth most of all time. Now, you can throw in there they did have the one more game than the majority of the receivers on that list, but that's still an insane performance throughout the year. I think the biggest thing that did hurt him is he did only have eight touchdowns, which is best for 11th in the league. Um, that, that really can hurt you in the MVP race, especially not at that prime position as a quarterback. He did throw one more rushing touchdown in there, and he averaged a mediocre 14.1 yards per catch, which isn't in the top. It is in the bottom. It's very medium in there, but he was by far the Vikings' number one threat. I don't think the Vikings would have touched anywhere remotely close to eight or nine games if he wasn't on the team this year. That is also coming from a Packers fan, so I just want to acknowledge that I am saying an MVP is a Viking. Thank you. But uh, I, I really think that he was he should have been in the conversation as he was all year, and this kid is so young. He's going to do so many good things in this league, and I am excited to watch him and Jair Alexander battle it out at least twice a year for the foreseeable future. What do you guys think, though? I know you guys are all Vikings fans here. I'm on an island, so I'm sure you guys will, will like hearing this from a Packers fan. No, I uh, appreciate the kind of words towards our team. I think in a prior episode, I think I called you Smelly Cheese, if I remember correctly. And I don't take it back, but yeah, no, we just still appreciate it. 
No, I'm kidding. All joking aside, he definitely was a powerhouse. Um, as a Vikings fan, it was the most fun football to watch. Just remarkable catches. Um, I even saw a Facebook post saying that the NFL is rigged and that they might have magnetic gloves. Uh, I don't think so. Jefferson is just, he's just a beast, man. First things first is, Tyler, you pronounced JJ wrong, all right? Uh, if, if you're going to take some moment and uh, give, uh, give our boy some props. Well, to counteract that, I actually believe it's Jay Jettas. If you were a true fan of the Vikings, that is indeed his Instagram handle and everything he does go by. He did get you on that one, Nick. You still smell like cheese, Tyler. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why they call me Mr. Wrong. So, uh, the only thing I really truly had to talk about is, I mean, whoa. Are we really going to talk about Justin Jefferson and not bring up that on? Godly catch by Justin Jefferson in Buffalo, unreal, unreal. I mean, I, I thought I, I thought I wouldn't see anything better than the old Dell Beckham catch back in the day, and again, this man provides. So yeah, unbelievable year out of JJ. Huge shout out. Very right, Mister Right. Would you say that's one of the best catches you've ever seen? Where does it rank? Where does it rank? I. I don't see anything beating that, in my opinion. Odell's close, but man, I think that takes a cake. I mean, he ripped that out of his hands in such an angle. I mean, I don't know what he's doing with his fingers for working out, but uh, I need to find out because he's eating more than just Wheaties. I mean, given the circumstance, it was 4th and 18, game on the line, uh, I think it's more impressive than Odell's, just the scenario-wise for sure, but also the grab. I'd, I'd say it's probably the best catch I've ever seen. So, Justin Jefferson, I want to know what your finger curls are. Yeah, I'd still have to go with OBJ on that one. That catch was just absolutely incredible. He caught that thing with three fingers, contorted his body around. It was just insane. I'm not going to discount that catch by Jay Jettas by any means because that was absolutely remarkable. If you bring the scenario in, yes, I mean, it was absolutely crucial. He had to go up and make a play. But uh, that OBJ catch was just, I, I mean, I can still remember watching that Monday night game live and see, I'm sorry, that Sunday night game live and seeing that catch. It was just absolutely insane. I mean, it completely changed the way the receivers play the game nowadays. All right, enough about them pesky Vikings and Justin Jefferson. Now we're going to get back to him in a later segment here. Nick, I know you had a take that might not be universally accepted or agreed upon. Who do you have, bud? Well, Tyler, uh, as we know, I, I like to uh, put myself out there and uh, come up with some opinions that eh, not everybody's going to have, but uh, I, I had to take a moment show, shout out my main man, Joey Money, Mr. Burrow. You won me a beautiful championship belt in fantasy football, but let's talk some numbers here. I mean, you came in with four over... Close to 4.5 thousand uh, yards, which was fifth overall in the league. Came in with a whole uh, 35 passing touchdowns, second uh, tied for the league. You dropped a little bit with your interceptions, but I I just think he had a great year. Uh, He showed consistency. Um, Most people kind of thought he would take a step back, and I just I, I feel like he... He really didn't drop off too bad. I mean, coming from 2021 to uh, 2022, um, there was only an 8-point in the QB rating. Um, he, he actually threw two less picks, uh, one more touchdown. 
um, just a little less in yards. So I, I just, I really think Joey Burrow just needs a quick at least shout out. I know he's not the Mr. MVP, but man, uh, there's something brewing out in Cincinnati. Yeah, you definitely can make a case for Burrow this year. He really put the Bengals on the back the second half of the year. They didn't have much of a run game this year, at least not as much balance as they had in the years past. And we all know that offensive line is just as suspect as it gets. So for him to have those kind of numbers with the lack of production around him, which he he was used to last year, you know, these these Bengals are going to be a team to reckon with for the foreseeable future. And I'm excited to see them, the Chiefs and the Bills just go at it the next you know five ten years feasibly now let's transition out of burrow we're gonna have money mikey here talk about the mvp himself why did mahomes win this award mr stanny thank you tyler for properly addressing me moneyline mikey not the degenerate as my dad sadly has to listen to uh he doesn't appreciate those words but anyways Um, I definitely got the easiest of all the MVP picks. Mahomes is the winning quarterback of the Super Bowl. And I can barely remember any players who wasn't the quarterback of the Super Bowl uh, to win the MVP award. Now, he obviously has stat lines to back it. You know, 5,200 yards passing and 41 touchdowns with arguably significantly less weapons. I mean, taking away Tyree Kill, one of the number one weapons in all of NFL, next to Jay Jetties, as Tyler properly addressed him earlier. I'd be kind of curious. Why don't you look that up, Tyler, while we are bantering here as far as, I mean, I don't even know how many non-quarterback players have won it. Um, But yeah, uh, he's, as far as some history, though, he is one of 10 players now to win the MVP twice. Um, You got quarterbacks Kurt Warner, Steve Young, Joe Montana, uh, Aaron Rodgers, don't be smiling over there, Tyler. Tom Brady, Jim Brown, Brett Favre, don't be smiling over there, Tyler. Johnny Unitas, and then Peyton Manning having the most at a total of five, uh, rounding out that group of ten. I mean, we'll see. I, I have a feeling he could close in on Peyton. He's shown this year that he can do it without the weapons, with the mastermind of Andy Reid. He's shown that he can do it. If that wasn't enough, his QBR was a league-leading 77.5, and and he did still manage a rush for 358 yards, four rushing touchdowns. It's pretty amazing. Mahomes is just one of three quarterbacks to ever throw over 5,000 yards in a season in multiple years. So, again, it goes back to that first of thing. It's a pretty simple phrase, but, I mean, everyone else out there is playing checkers for the most part other than a few. He's out there playing chess. He, He deserves it for sure. And he won the Super Bowl hurt. I mean, they, he, he pulled a comeback off. He, they were down. Um, I think it might be the white jerseys that Derek called out in prior episodes. But, uh, no, he, he still won it with an injury. Um, and it was quite the show to watch. But, uh, yeah, did you ever get that stat, Taylor? How many quarterbacks? I mean, it's, it's always, has it always been quarterbacks? I mean. So it's been a pretty quarterback-driven award. There's been 57 total MVP awards with 19 non-quarterbacks winning. So that's 16 other offensive players. We have two defensive players and one place kicker in 1982 did win the award. But it's a quarterback award to be won here. Wow, that, that actually surprised me. I mean, I know I don't have the best memory. Uh, gambling's more of my forte than remembering things. Um, but still, it is for sure a quarterback's award. Um, I wonder who that place kicker is, though. That, that's, that's pretty cool. What, what, you know, what the hell did he do to get that? 
But anywho, that's for another day, maybe another podcast. All right, let's enough about the MVP award. We all know it was Mahomes to win this whole year. It was basically handed to him. So let's kick it over to the offensive side of the ball. We have the offensive player of the year, somebody we have already spoken about, Mr. Justin Jefferson, took this home with no real question at all. But Mikey, I know you did have somebody that made a very, very strong argument against that. Who do you got here? Yeah, I mean, the fan of me obviously wants to choose Jefferson, but... From the play and the results of the season, Travis Kelsey obviously puts up a great case for Offensive Player of the Year. I found some, you know, I had to do a little digging, you know, to build a good case here. And the biggest thing is one of the more important stacks is when a receiver is getting tar- targeted, uh, what the quarterback rating is. When Tyreek was getting targeted this year by Tua uh, or uh, good old Teddy, uh, depending on who had a concussion on which day. It was a passing rate of 114. When Justin Jefferson was passed, you know, targeted by uh, Kirk Cousins, it was just a pass rating of 104. Travis Kelsey, on the other hand, when targeted, had a rating of 130. Quite a substantial difference. He was just Mr. Clutch. You 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 throw it, you target him, he's going to catch it, right? He's going to secure the ball, and he's not going to make his quarterback look bad. He makes his quarterback look great on any given Sunday um, or the occasional Monday or Thursday. Or God, are they going to play games Wednesday? I don't even know anymore. Kelsey proves it. He's just phenomenal uh, aspects. He's also just a great leader. He's a great personality. He's just, yeah, he's definitely the huge, huge part of that team. Arguably one of the most impactful offensive players in the league this year, especially with Tyreek going over to Miami, which, you know, he made a nice little check, but uh, didn't get any new shiny hardware. And I kind of wonder how he feels about that. But anyways, um, you know, Jefferson obviously, though, puts up a great case, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. And I think Kyle is going to dive into that. Uh, I'm sure he's got some pretty good reasons and pretty good rebuttal here to me, I suppose. He led the league in receiving with, you know, a 1,000... 1,809 yards. He's the heart and soul of this franchise, uh, of my squad. I'll say that he he's the best re- receiver in the NFL. He's only, you know he's only 24 years old. One of the best route runners, best re- releases. I I kind of put his releases in that Devonte Adams type type of uh, type of receiver. You know, throw it to him in double coverage. He'll catch it. Triple coverage. I wish you know. The last play of the season versus the Giants, they would have just passed it to him instead of a check down. He uh, he also broke Randy Moss's single season receiving record, which is really impressive. Just a generational talent, and Quasi has to has to sign him. It'll be uh, interesting what that deal is. Probably over forty million dollars, uh, but we'll see. But <laughs> I think he's worth it. For sure. But what a year he had. You guys both made some very strong arguments for the two deserving candidates of that award. But Jefferson, you really couldn't argue against that one. He was very, very deserving this year. But let's kick it over to the other side of the ball. We have the Defensive Player of the Year, won by Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers. He had one heck of a year. But if I were to have to put somebody else in that conversation, I would pick Micah Parsons. That guy is an absolute stud on the edge. He is one of the brightest young stars we have in this league. And just to throw some stats out there, he did have 65 tackles. 13 and a half sacks, which was good enough for seventh in the league, and then three forced fumbles and three recoveries. 
On top of that, he tacked on 13 tackles for loss, which was 17th in the league. So those numbers really don't scream out to you as a defensive player of the year if you if you look at the overall rankings of where they came into play against his peers. But his overall impact on the field is just, you can't question it. You have to put two people against him, at least bare minimum chip him with a tight end or a running back. His get-off-the-ball speed and his ability to bend is just astronomical. He's so compact and strong. He is just a force of nature when he's on that field, and you have to account for him at every single down and play and that is you know that that to me is the defensive player of the year I'm not discounting Nick Bosa he had one heck of a year as well but I think Micah Parsons should have been in that conversation as he was and it's going to be fun to see these two battle it out here in the foreseeable future because I don't think either one of them are going to slow down anytime soon and they are just going to continue wreaking havoc so that's what I have for Parsons I know Nick you agree that it was indeed Bosa what do you got here Yeah, that man is a machine on that defense. You know, in this new generation uh, type talent in the quarterbacks uh, with how versatile they are all over the place. I mean, you got Jalen Hurts coming in being very rushing. Uh, As you can kind of see in the numbers, sacks are slowly becoming less and less. So it's, it's harder to get sacks now more than ever. He came in with a total of 18 and a half sacks. Now, that doesn't really compare to Mr. T.J. Watt coming in with 22 and a half last year but there is a lot more versatile uh, quarterbacks coming in each year so for him to lead the league with that uh, that that's a big year alone especially taking that defense I mean that defense just went next level disgusting this year I they just they were mean, they were fast, and it was hard to get around everybody uh, uh, with all that set up. Uh, Nick Bosa definitely, uh, he had two forced fumbles. Wasn't really too much, tied for 22nd in the league, but uh, that man was the heart and soul of that uh, defense, and it showed, and it's it shows in him getting that defensive player of the year. Yeah, I had Saquon Barkley... You know, he had a hell of a year, fourth in rushing, carried the Giants this year. He had 1,312 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. I think he was the only guy in that offense, to be honest, other than him and Daniel Jones. Uh, was Did you guys see anybody else in that Giants offense? Well, they did have Kenny Galladay, but that did not last. He was hanging out with Scandling, I believe. Was there anybody else? <laughs> no, I... You know, he was he was very impressive. He it was nice to see him healthy. He looked like the old Saquon. He had a lot of big runs. Uh, he was electric with the ball. Um, it's really fun to see as a football fan just as just to see his his running style. I think he had a really good season, and I think he should have won the comeback player of the year award instead of Geno Smith. It's tough hearing you say all that, Kyle, with how they wiped us Viking fans out of the playoffs. It wasn't all Saquon, but yeah, he, he definitely had a good season. But tough love there, I suppose. Keep us humble. Yeah, Kyle, seeing Saquon perform at the level he did this year was one of the most heartwarming things in the NFL this year. I wouldn't say it's as heartwarming as the winner of this award, but I, I was really, really glad to see Saquon get back to his form, to be able to see what we, we knew we were going to get it out of when he was coming out of college at Penn State. I was really, really, really impressed by him this year, and I hope the Giants are able to lock him up so then he can stay in New York and still continue with that day ball offense, which I think is just tailored to his skill set. But let's talk about Gino. 
Geno Smith. Let me throw some stats at you real quick. So he was 399 for 572 on the year, which equates to a 69.8% completion percentage, which was indeed the first in the league. On top of that, that's with the eighth most pass attempts. He also threw for 4,200 yards, which was good enough for eighth in the league, 30 touchdowns, which was good enough for fourth in the league, and had a 100.9 quarterback rating, which again is good for fourth in the league, if you include Brock Purdy in that conversation, depending on how you value how many games played in that you know he very well could have that third spot in that as well the one downfall is he did indeed have 11 interceptions which was 10th most but it was less than Mahomes Rodgers Allen Joey B and Russell Wilson so you have the high level quarterbacks out there making those interceptions and trying to get the ball in those tight places Gino was no different in that regard but I think the biggest thing that kind of sells me on this comeback player year of the year award is the difference between his his year this last year and Russell Wilson last year for the Broncos. One could very much make an argument that Russell Wilson had a lot more talent on the offensive side of the ball than the Broncos, and Geno outperformed him in every single category. To think that the, the Broncos actually had to give up picks to get Russell Wilson when Geno was on the market and Geno outperformed him across the board and it wasn't even close is probably going to be looked back upon in the next couple of years here as one of the biggest draft bust. I'm sorry, not draft bust, but trade bust that we've seen in quite some time. Now, Wilson could turn it around in Denver with Sean Payton, but that's to be seen, where we know that Geno just put the team on his back last year. Kenneth Walker was having a heck of a year running before he got hurt, and then it really really all relied to Geno. And they made the playoffs. How crazy is that? Who would have thought the Seattle Seahawks were going to be the second best team in that division and make the playoffs after the year they had last year? And a lot of people say it got worse on both sides of the ball. So for him to put the team on his back and... and go out and just perform at a, a Pro Bowl level as he was a Pro Bowler just just solidifies to me why he is the comeback player of the year. And uh, I was really, really excited to see what he did last year. It was really cool and wholesome to watch. And I think that this, this award was made to give to people like Geno Smith this last year. Alrighty, we had two really good strong candidates for Comeback Player of the Year award. Now we're going to switch it over to the new cats. The rookies on the block, we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. We had Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets winning this award. I'm going to speak on who I thought might have been deserving. Now might people might say, oh... You're a Packers fan. You have some bias I can't disagree with you. If I wasn't a Packers fan, I wouldn't be picking this player. But what Christian Watson did this year in the second half of the year and really that three to four game stretch, I don't remember a rookie making that big of an impact in that short of a period, especially after having absolutely nothing the first six games of the year. But he finished the year with 611 yards on 41 receptions, which is the fifth most yards among rookies. Seven touchdowns receiving and two rushing touchdowns, which was tied first for the receiving touchdowns and the most rushing touchdowns among receivers, which does equate to nine total touchdowns, which was tied for first in the league with Kenneth Walker. Now, the yards aren't there with Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave had for that matter, but those touchdowns and the, the way that he was able to come into the Packers offense and bring that X factor, he was the catalyst that we needed to turn that season around. Now, it all didn't come true to form with losing to the Lions in the last week of the year, but we wouldn't even have been close if Christian Watson didn't come in and just play like an absolute 
dog for that four-game stretch and really kind of turned our season around. I can't disagree that Garrett Wilson was the winner here, but with, with, with what Christian watching, how he did not perform the first half of the year and then just came in with a, an absolute vengeance, and he did all that in only playing 14 games. Garrett Wilson also only had four rush or four receiving touchdowns, which you wouldn't think is a number that would win this award, but it was, to be honest with you, a pretty poor offensive rookie class, especially when Kenneth Walker went down with the injury. But I know you agree with uh, with the actual winner here in Garrett Wilson, Mikey. What do you got on him? Well, Tyler, uh, your kind of final points there. I just kind of make my point. For starters, looking no further. He uh, played the entire season, all 17 weeks, which is a huge sign. Uh, he produced week in, week out. And what's most impressive is he never hit that rookie wall. But there's a lot more. I mean, if you dig deeper, uh, he had the most... Touches, by far, uh, establishing himself as the lead force for the Jets passing game. Wilson posted a stat line of 83 catches, over 1,100 yards, uh, with an average of 13.3 yards per catch. Four touchdowns, and the longest reception of 60 yards. Pretty impressive stat line first year for a rookie. Now, what people don't forget, and they need to factor in more, is he did that with four different quarterbacks. And arguably the worst quarterback play out there. Right, I mean, there's there's a lot of talk right now about the Jets just being a quarterback away, a quarterback away, right? They got these weapons. They got an amazing defense, but they had the worst quarterback play. And uh, who knows, will Rodgers end up there? Is he going to end up in Oakland? Is he going to retire? We might be talking about that later. Um, but, yeah, um, it's pretty amazing. And, again, I got to reinforce, he still produced and never ran into that rookie slump of any sort. He executed as a top 20 receiver in football. Uh, in terms of production standpoint and both catches and yards as well. Wilson, uh, lastly, I mean, he just he gave the Jets fans something to look forward to, right? I mean, imagine him with a, you know, a real weapon at quarterback, uh, what they could do with that. Um, and who knows what they do with this offseason here as well. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, again, consistency. He didn't need to warm up. He didn't need to cool down for a week. He, he just said he stayed red hot all 17 weeks. Pretty amazing. I mean, it would be kind of nice to have him with Jefferson in Minnesota, but, you know, can't have too, uh, too much of a good thing at once, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really all I got. Um, I definitely think uh, Garrett Wilson was for sure, uh, without a doubt, deserving. I mean, he, he proved it 17 weeks uh, in a row. All right, we got the Offensive Player of the Year covered. We can agree to disagree, but again, Wilson was deserving. I can definitely agree with you on that one. But let's kick it over to the defensive side of the ball. This was a runaway winner. I don't think it was much debate. If there's any sort of anonymous pick for an award, it would definitely go to Mr. Sauce Gardner. Nick, what made this year so special? Oh, man, Mr. Teriyaki Sauce Gardner came in to this league with an attitude, and it showed in multiple, multiple, multiple numbers. This man uh, played every single solitary week, and just about every single snap, he literally faced over uh, over 1,115 snaps and only had a total of 74 targets. That means that every 15 passes, that's when he finally faced one pass. That man was all over every single wide receiver he faced. Um, He did only get two interceptions, but 60 solo tackles tied for 13th overall in the league. That's rare off off of a CB alone. Um, And for him to only allow a total of 34 receptions off those 74 targets, that's that's just unreal. 
unheard of out of a rookie. So the future is extremely bright with these Jets. I mean, for them to take home both the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year, I mean, Sauce just came in and threw some teriyaki all over this uh, league. I don't know what you what you're thinking over there, but I'm sure sure we got some extra opinions under the uh, KP brain of his. Yeah, Nick, I think you hit the nail on the head there. This this wasn't even close. I <laughs> I think Sauce Gardner's. Uh, you know, you watch his film. He's just a stud. He breaks up every play. He goes against the best wide receivers. I think he, I don't know if, I'm pretty sure this is right, but he only allowed like, what, 400 yards total in 17 games. So, which is just ridiculous. His instincts, uh, you know, he is off the charts. The fact that he can go up against the best already and, you know, he's he's only... I don't even know what his age is, but he was only a rookie. Um, I, I I think he, right now, uh, I'd say he's probably one of the best corners in the league. Uh, I think I'd rather have Sauce Gardner over Jalen Ramsey at this point. So it wasn't even close. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that, that man is just beastly. Uh, Sauce Gardner, if you're listening, we love you, bro. Keep Keep spreading it. Alrighty, Sauce took the cake. No questions asked or debate by I don't think anybody that watched the football season this year. But that's enough of these new cats. Let's talk about some coaches. We have the coach of the year up next. Mr. Brian Dayball of the New York Giants took this award. And I really don't think there was much debate on this one. But I know my resident Vikings fans in here have some takes of their own here. We're going to start this one off with Mr. Money Mikey. What do you got here, buddy? Well, I, of course, love to drink my own purple Kool-Aid and would have to have choose O'Connell. You know, it's hard to put Zach's stats on it. You know, I'm sure there's some numbers out there for most improved, but I just know what I saw, right? I saw an offense that couldn't produce, struggle to get first downs, go to a powerhouse, and, and in fact, end up being the opposite. We end up having a defense that really crushed us this season. Um, but, yeah, um, and then just from first impressions, um, when he's speaking to the media, he's just level-headed. He's quite the opposite of Zimmer, and I think he fits the new age coach of being a player's coach um, and be able to, you know, to be able to reach and, uh, you know, make a connection with them. And, yeah, the culture shows it. I think it also is a hand-in-hand, hand-in-hand relationship with the GM, and first impressions are very, very happy as a Vikings fan. I mean, how do you feel about that, Kyle? I know you had some thoughts on O'Connell as well. Yeah, I, I thought Kevin O'Connell did a really good job this year. You know, going 13-4 and four the first, first season is very impressive, especially with that awful defense that we had. Uh, he, I thought he put Kirk in the best situations, and he gave his best playmaker the ball. And JJ, uh, his yeah, like his attitude and his uh, he just seems like a really good leader. To- yeah, like you said, completely opposite from Zimmer, and I don't think with the the new like like the rookies coming up now, they the old school coaching method doesn't really work unless you're like Bill Belichick. Uh, just I feel like these got these younger players have a different mindset and a little bit more attitude and swag. And I think Kevin O'Connell did a hell of a job this year. So I'm, I'm glad we, we, we have him. So 
Yeah, I mean, just look at the culture of the team again. I mean, just look at Kirk Cousins on that airplane, swagging it out and having fun. I guarantee he doesn't do that under Zimmer. Um, now, we'll see what next year looks like. They're bringing on Brian Flores. That'll be a discussion for a future podcast, I'm sure. Um, he might bring that balance to O'Connell of the fun and the seriousness. Um, I know Flores has a lot to prove and wants that head coaching position as well. So, not to get off topic, but yeah, man, it was a year. Um, now, Nick has another opinion on here. Uh, why don't you go in and introduce your guy, Nick, here? Well, thank you, Mr. Michael. Uh, I know uh, the money lines aren't uh, treating you too well, but you know what? You'll survive. Uh, however, uh, just as wild as your bets were, um, I have just as wild of a take towards a coach of the year, uh, Mr. Wildman Doug Peterson himself. Uh, so just a quick idea. Um, I did want to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, he did come to the Jaguars, turn things around uh, on – many different levels he came in doing his typical Doug Peterson style uh whereas so just a quick little fun fact um fourth down conversions uh for the whole entire league there was a total of 31 fourth down uh conversions uh, attempts sorry attempts with a total of 10 that were converted Doug Peterson and his Jacksonville Jaguars Total of 27 attempts on fourth down with 14 conversions. I mean, this man, if that doesn't describe who this man is, willing to take the bet, willing to take the balls and just put them straight on the line. Um, I just wanted to give him a quick shout out just because, you know what, nobody's really going to fully think of him in that regard. I do get it, but man, what he did with them Jacksonville Jaguars, it was just beautiful to watch and uh there's definitely many times where i was like scratching my head but again somehow that man does something so uh that that's pretty much what i got on uh on the coach of the year yeah that's a really good take if i were to have to actually pick somebody that i would say is the coach of the year without agreeing with who did win it definitely would be doug doug peterson in my opinion i mean you take a team that had the number one overall pick the last two years to have one change and that's a new coach coming in and he goes to the playoffs goes to the playoffs not only goes to the playoffs beats the chargers wins a playoff game and i mean they got routed by the chiefs that's nor here or there nobody expected them to win that game but doug peterson had one heck of a year and one heck of an impact but I'm here to talk about Mr. Dayball. Brian Dayball and the New York Giants took the New York Giants from a 4-13 team to a 9-7-1 team. That might not seem like a huge great record. However, they were in the hardest conference in fo- or hardest division in football. One can make an argument for this year with three of the teams making the playoffs. One of those teams went to the Super Bowl. So what he was able to do with pretty much the identical roster outside of, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, the, the ability that he just brought to the offensive side of the ball, he turned Daniel Jones into a quarterback that's now expecting $45 million a year. That wouldn't have happened with the prior coaching staff. But his ability and just his mind of the offensive side of the ball, you could definitely tell the impact it made on Josh Allen and the Bills offense when he wasn't there this year and what an impact it made on that overall Giants team. Not only did he improve the offense, but that Giants defense this year was just remarkable. And again, it's pretty much the same talent that they've had the last couple of years. He just got the right coaches in there. He's one of the best leaders in the league. And again, it goes back to them being a player's coach. 
I mean, that guy is just incredible. He's just looks like an NFL head coach, and he plays the part very well, and I think he was very deserving of this award. However, you guys did make some pretty good counter-arguments for Kevin O'Connell and Doug Peterson. But overall impact, I give it to Brian Dayball, and I think he was deserving of that award. All right, now we're going to kind of have a change of pace here, and we're going to go into some of the off-season headlines that have happened. First, we have two huge retirements with Mr. Tom Brady and J.J. Watt. We're going to take a little time here, starting with Brady, and just kind of acknowledge the career that he's had. Um, I know he doesn't have... He's, it's a love-hate relationship with Mr. Brady. If you're a Colts fan, you sure as crap do not like him. If you're a Packers fan in that NFC Championship game a couple years back, you don't like him. The guy just knows how to win football games. But what do you have to say here, Kyle? Why don't you kick, her out, kick us off here with Mr. Brady? I mean, there's so much to say about this guy, but I'll keep it brief, uh, brief here. But it was definitely a privilege uh, to see this man play. He is the, He is the GOAT, that's for sure. He, you know... 89,000 passing yards, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, you look at all these young quarterbacks, I don't think any of them are going to catch catch that record. I think it's not going to be broken unless Mahomes or Allen or Burrow, they and they would have to play till they're at least 40, I think, to have a shot or 42 or something like that. But this guy, even in his 40s, played at a very high level, I, I think. But yeah, he broke so many records. He... Yeah, he is definitely the GOAT for a reason. 23 years, I mean, what hell of a run. <laughs> um, I don't think any other quarterback is going to play 23 seasons ever. So it, it was it was a privilege for sure to watch him. And it'll be, and it's going to be super weird not seeing Brady in the, in the conversation. Mikey, what are your thoughts on uh, Brady's retirement? Well... Couple different thoughts. You got the Money Mikey thoughts, and then you got Mikey's thoughts. Uh, Money Mikey's got him at plus nine hundred here to come out of retirement, and negative uh, two thousand to not come out of retirement. It's unlikely. It's very unlikely, right? But who knows? He might want to go home to San Francisco, be back at home, get one more uh, championship, set the bar just that much higher. He's got but, that uh, three hundred fifty million dollar Fox deal, though. Correct, but it doesn't start till next year. Oh. He's got a gap year. And with his early retirement, who knows, he might have had that all pre-recorded and expedited to kind of potentially set a chance at moving out. It's unlikely, right? But if he were to go somewhere, I think he would go to San Francisco um, to be close to home. Um, And after the season they had last year, I mean, they showed that they were probably a quarterback away. Um, who knows? It's not going to happen. As far as you know, taking money, Mikey out of the picture and Mikey back in the picture. Um, I just, I'm not a hater. I'm opposite of Tyler. Um, it's greatness, man. It, it's just, I love it when someone goes out there and just dominates, dominates, and just keeps setting that bar higher. Right? I mean, it's just awesome. It, it's, it's motivation, right? It, it's like the Michael Jordan effect. I'm really excited to see what comes out of it, right? I mean, everyone saw the Jordan documentary on Netflix. I'm sure there's going to be some pretty interesting uh, things that come out of Brady's legacy, and it's going to be fascinating. I mean, people are, people look up to him. Uh, there's a lot of haters out there, but haters are only hate those that win. You know, no need. Enough of the haters out there. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm kind of curious if my brother is a hater or a lover. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Love or hate Brady? Well, to me, um, what separates Brady from the rest? Uh, it, 
that man was a genius when it came to reworking his contract, getting his money elsewhere by just making a brand a staple. I mean, everything about it. You know one, two. One, two is a number that will be staying in people's minds for a while. That man came in this league, worked his butt off, and just nobody believed in him other than himself. He worked all all the way from the get-go, came in, filled in at every single moment, was clutch at every single moment. Um, But at the same time, he knew he couldn't do it alone. So that's why he restructured his contract, allowed it so that uh, they could constantly keep stacking his teams, stacking his teams. If if this man, you know, would stop going on darkness retreats and start taking a page from Brady's book of uh, restructuring his deals, maybe there might be a little bit more trophies over there in the the cheese land. But uh, um, one thing you cannot say is Brady did not do it wrong. That man did it right, and uh, his hands are probably getting a constant workout from all that ring weight on his hands. So uh, congratulations, Mr. Brady. Keep uh, keep rocking your thing. And uh, if I'm a betting man, definitely going to be putting some money on Brady coming out of retirement. I, I, I just think that man likes a little too much drama uh, to call it quits yet, but we'll see. We'll see. So with that... Uh, Mr. Tyler, I've been wondering what's on that Mr. Right mind of yours. Well, I'm going to let the Rogers comment slide for now because I don't want to put a negative effect on Brady's greatness. Uh, I am a hater of Brady. I'm not a huge fan of him, but I do respect greatness, and Tom Brady is the GOAT. Now, the GOAT is a very, very argumentative discussion depending on how you look at it. To my, my opinion, there's the most talented of all time, the most accomplished of all time, and the GOAT is the combination of those two right? So he's easily the most accomplished of all time. Seven Super Bowl rings is only replicated by, well, no other person. So that's pretty impressive. On top of that, this man was a six round pick, a six round pick in 2000 to have a 23 year career. You could break that 23, 23 year career down in three different careers and every single one of those three segments are Hall of Fame careers. That is, nobody can say that. It is absolutely insane what this man has done for the game of football, what this man did for New England, and then did bring that Super Bowl down to Tampa Bay as well. I don't think there's much that needs to be said outside of Tom Brady as he is the GOAT. He will be the GOAT for the foreseeable future. I think there is a certain number 15 in KC could, who could surpass him at a certain time. Um, but as of right now, we just have to relish in this man's accomplishments and just thank him for the greatness that he did bring to the league the last 23 years. And it was an absolute honor and privilege for me to watch that. As much as I didn't like seeing it, I will recognize greatness and I respect the heck out of the man for what he accomplished in football and what he did for this league. And I, I really am excited for what he does after football. He, he's going to be the best Fox analyst there ever will be. The amount of effort and time he puts into the game of football, he's just going to continue that into his, his overall work ethic, into whatever venture he does look at. I hope he can get things right with his family. Um, that was kind of a down downer to see after what the, the success that that family as a whole has brought there and what Giselle did mean to him during those Super Bowl runs. Um, but nonetheless, this man is a seven-time Super Bowl champion, three-time MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, and a five-time Super Bowl MVP. Those are stats that I don't think will ever be broken or matched or even touched. So you just have to look at this guy and just thank him and just it truly was an honor to watch his greatness in its true form in the, the span of two decades. 
So with that, we're going to wrap up on Tom Brady, and we're going to go over to Mr. J.J. Watt. Um, I'm going to kick this one off. Is J.J. Watt, is, is he means a little bit more to me, being how I am from Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. He played at the University of Wisconsin. He excelled at Madison. I loved watching him play at Madison, and I really, really wish the Packers would have moved up in the draft to draft him. He was probably the most coveted player that I wanted the Packers to ever draft that came out of the UW. Um, and then, you know, his brother, a couple years later, I really wanted to make that pick as well. But Ted Thompson will be Ted Thompson. That's a discussion for another time. Um, but J.J. Watt, let's talk about the man himself. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year award. That's only been done two other times with Aaron Donald and Lawrence Taylor. That alone tells you about his greatness as a whole. To think that he had, in his final year this last year, 12 and a half sacks and then hung him up, like, he's truly growing, going out on top of the game. One thing I would have loved to see is him hoist a Lombardi and bring that back to the city of Pewaukee. Um, but for a five-time five time first-team All-Pro, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, what else needs to be said about this guy besides just overall greatness? And he was truly a game wrecker. Even when the Texans wanted to mess around and throw him on offense, he was one of the best tight ends on the team. Just absolutely insane to watch this guy work. His body of work that he put into it speaks for itself, but I think his work ethic uh, goes above and beyond anything else. To see what him and his brothers are even doing in the offseason nowadays to think that you know we have tj watt is arguably the best edge defender in the game right now can just have a call to his older brother who was one of the greatest edge def- or interior defenders of all time is just wild to think the success that the watt family has brought to the nfl and will probably continue within that bloodline um but i know mikey you had some pretty good thoughts on jj here as well what do you have there yeah all very valid points tyler uh if we had more time at you to be kind of curious though i mean the kelsey bloodline is looking pretty good as well but uh from being a defensive lineman myself through high school and varsity um watt definitely uh has been an inspiration in his time for me um unfortunately i the most I ever got to was 6'2 183 pounds i was not 6'5 288 pounds so i ended up a little bit light despite eating you know five meals a day i don't know what watt did different but didn't work for me anyways all joking aside he was amazing to watch you know just no one else just tore apart offenses as much as watt did in quite a long time fortunately moneyline mikey's got has no prop bets i can't find any stats i think with his uh injuries the last couple of years with the shoulder and you know his pretty early announcement it's not looking very likely for him to come back so no no grease here unfortunately for money mikey but uh let's go ahead and go around the table here uh what do you think here kyle about watt's retirement yeah you guys all make good points about jj watt um yeah i believe he was the only player in nfl his- history with multiple 20 sack seasons which is is very impressive. I think TJ Watt could be the next, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, he was just super dominant. I like in his prime for sure. He's a freak of nature. Uh, going to fantasy football days back in 2014, I I think I drafted him and didn't know it was a defense only team. You you have to say a defensive team, but I drafted JJ Watt. In 2014, he was a he's a monster, man. Uh, You know, he's definitely a Hall of Famer and he'll he'll definitely be missed for sure. Nick, what are you thoughts? So in honor of Mr. Watt, I figured I'd kick it back to his best season. Uh, Back in 2012, this man came in and just dropped numbers left and right. Sixty nine solo tackles. Perfect number. Um, I mean, in general, that man just was all over the field. 12 assisted tackles on top of it. 20.5 sacks, one of those seasons that Mr. Kyle quoted over there. 
And even on top of all that, 16 passes defended, four forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't even stress how unbelievable of a season that is for a defensive lineman. <laughs> like for him to do all that, you just you you can't you can't replicate that. He's going to be missed. He surely was just a talent that you could not replicate, Mister JJ Watt. You were a force. Enjoy that retirement, man. Well earned. One thing to add into that 2012 year as well is he had 39 tackles for loss, which since 1999. There is the next closest is 29 tackles for loss, which J.J. Watt did twice in 2014 and 2015. And then it goes to the next player at 28. So his run between 2012 and 2015, you could argue, is the greatest three-year run in defensive like football history. What he was able to do was just absolutely astronomical, and then he got the injury bug. Then he played another full season and racked up another 16 sacks. This guy is just a just a force of nature, and it truly was an honor to watch him play, especially be having that Wisconsin blood in him, and you know, a true hometown hero in his area, and just an overall Wisconsin hero for anybody growing up watching him play. Alrighty, we are going to wrap this podcast up with one of the most debated topics in football as we speak. We have a certain quarterback who has played in Green Bay for the last 18 seasons that there is some some doubt in the air on. Where is Aaron Rodgers going? We all know I'm the resident Packer fan here, so I'm going to go last in this one. I want to hear your guys' takes first. We're going to start with you, Nick. Where's Mr. Rodgers landing? Well, ladies and gentlemen... I have a feeling that uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have to travel so far for that good old darkness retreat. Uh, I see him going out to Vegas, um, you know, being able to try any sort of ketamine, anything that he needs to try to be focused enough to throw that ball to Mr. Devontae Adams. You know, I do think Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal talent. Jokes aside, you know, he can do whatever the hell he needs to do in the offseason because every time he shows up, it, it, it doesn't matter what it was. You know, every season there's something to joke about with this man, and I love it. I love it as a Vikings fan. But uh, when we're talking sheer talent, we're talking sheer record, we're talking sheer just overall Rodgers, the man is unbelievable. So he could go anywhere he wants. He'll be successful. So, Mikey, what you got over there? Where, where, where do you see this man going? Where do you see him being successful? Yeah, Nick, uh, Money Mikey here did a little research, and Vegas agrees with you. Uh, it's the favorite at minus 300. 10 bucks only gets you $13. Don't waste your money. Um, Jets and Green Bay are your next favorites, and then comes New England. But as far as my stance, I'm going with retirement. A, from a Money Mikey standpoint, I think I'm going to drive down to Iowa this next week. 10 bucks would win you at least $210, which is pretty solid. And on top of that, Rogers is a drama queen. It wouldn't surprise me for him to drag this whole retirement out, the darkness retreat. Seems kind of like a marketing scheme. He's probably just going to hop on, you know, maybe that Pat McAfee podcast, maybe full time, or who knows what he's going to do. He's definitely just uh, out there shaping his brand, I feel like, to ultimately retire he's just a drama queen in my opinion but sorry that's the viking fan coming out of me um i you know i got no facts obviously that back that other than uh yeah screw rogers my last comment it would be nice if we could repeat the farve i hope he goes to the jets and then we get rid of cousins and then we go and whip green bay's butt 
in Lambeau for multiple years. Uh, that'd be awesome. But what do you think, Kyle, of that? <laughs> I agree with Nick on this one. I think he, I think he might go to the Raiders. Um, him and Devontae already have a connection, probably the best connection I've ever seen with a quarterback and wide receiver. If it's not the Raiders, it probably is the Packers. I don't see any other team, honestly. I don't think the Jets, I don't think he would go there. I think it would only be the Raiders or the Packers, but I'm going to go with the Raiders on this one. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this one? Where's he going? Yeah, I definitely have some thoughts. Uh, For one, I didn't know Mikey was going to turn this into a Rodgers bash session. I didn't know that was the name of the segment. But, uh, you know, Vikings fans will be Vikings fans. They are the most petty people out there, especially when you're a Packer fan living in Minnesota. It's not really in my favor outside of the trophy room that is not collecting dust. Um, But let's get back to Rodgers. So, Rodgers, I, uh, I really don't see him going to another team. I think it's either going to be retirement or coming back to the Packers. He hasn't indicated anything other than either coming back to the Packers or retiring. Um, I think the Packers would have to make some changes. They're going to obviously have to restructure that contract. There's no way that you could retain anybody that we need to with that contract, and we're going to have to keep in keep those those glue guys in the locker room that Rodgers does like. I think he's coming back. I don't think he's, he wants to end his career like the year he had last year. He he had, in, in Rodgers' terms, a down year, which a down year for Rodgers, 90% of the quarterbacks in the NFL would take, but he didn't live up to that Rodgers level, and I don't think he could live with himself with ending the season like that, especially with how much they progressed throughout the year and those rookie receivers came into play. He started finding old man Randall Cobb. Robert Tunyon started getting some actual targets, and then he, uh, he, he they schemed up plays to get Mercedes Lewis in that game. But I, I really think he's going to come back to the Packers. I would welcome Rodgers back for the next 10 years, even if he's throwing for negative yards in a game and he has a negative quarterback rating. He's done so much for the franchise that I love and I've loved my whole life that he will always be a Packer, in my opinion, and I will welcome him back with open arms. However, if he does retire, I really do want to see what we have in Jordan Love. If he is going to be the future, then, then I want him on the field. I don't want him to sit out another year and then go find another team in free agency and then we're back in the boat of having to draft somebody that would be probably the worst first round draft pick of all time if that took place if he isn't going to at least get a chance to prove himself and show that he is a franchise caliber player if he were to be traded, the only team I could see that makes sense for him would be the Raiders. Um, a lot of speculation of him going to the Jets. I strongly believe Derek Carr's going to the Jets and they're going to get that figured out before Rodgers makes his decision. There's a lot of sense that makes with the Raiders. It's closer to his home in California. He has Devontae Adams there to throw the ball to. On top of that, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. If they bring back Josh Jacobs, that offense would just be stacked and loaded. They would have to do a lot on the defensive side of the ball, but who's to say they don't have to for the Packers right now after the defensive miscues we had again in that first half of the season but the Packers really start showed who they're truly capable of being the second half of the season so I think if Rodgers is going to make a decision based on play he has to look at the progression they made um, now obviously they, they they kicked the curb with the Detroit Lions game that was not a good performance by in any way shape or form but that's another reason why I don't think Rodgers could end his career with Green Bay on a play like that or not not a play like that but a season like that and then such a, a pitiful game to end it on I just can't see it happening happening but I think it is going to take the Packers to to accommodate and make some changes for him as well so uh, my question is uh so yeah if they keep Rodgers yes he would have to restructure his deal but what do you think is going to keep that man happy there what's gonna what's truly gonna keep him being able to stay there I mean there's no weapons around him 
obviously it's fully because of his contract, but like I just I I think there's too many problems of him staying there when you have so much talent in Jordan Love. I mean, at what point do you I mean, you might as well sell high while you have the high demand when you have something ready to replace. I agree on the Aaron Rodgers thing, but what what do you think is going to change that? No, I mean, I would agree. You got to see what you have, but it, it's not a matter of the Packers not welcoming back. They've already made it very clear that they are going to welcome him back with open arms. You'll hear stuff in the media, but you got to look more into it. Media will be the media, especially involving Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You have to look more in just the snippets and the news articles you see. The Packers, are, they, they've, they've shown open ours. They want him back. He's already acknowledged that there's too much money in this cap. They, he, he's going to restructure. He's acknowledged that on Pat McAfee, which he is a weekly participant on during the NFL season. Um, I just, to, to make him happy, I, I don't think he was unhappy as a Packer last year. To make any drastic changes, I, we have to realize that there's a cap room here. There's not a lot of free agent receivers out there that are worth anything. You know, the, the one person I would like to see, one of two people, would be a Mike Gusecki or a Dalton Schultz coming in at the tight end position, giving us some some depth and some solid people there. But to, to say there's no talents is is just kind of silly, in my opinion, when you look at the production of the receivers that they had in the second half of the year. And we still got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon back there. They're not going anywhere. We already just saw, extended or restructured Jones, so he's, he'll be back. And you'll see the balance in the offense shifted more to that run game this year, and it was very successful. So as long as we can keep that balance and, you know, we're giving Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs a chance to develop, and who better to develop with than Aaron Rodgers? Granted, he's not meeting with in the offseason and throwing with them which a lot of other quarterbacks are but at the end of the day it doesn't take him that much to get that timing when it's already been established last year right this year going into a rookie year that that lack of of connection wasn't there the first half of the year and it was very evident but I think as they grow there's a pretty good draft class coming in this year with receivers now the Packers won't pick one in the first round they just simply don't do that but there's a lot of depth there and there's there's a lot of opportunities in the later even the mid rounds there to get some receiving talent and uh, I just I, I just can't see him playing in another uniform, especially if you bring up like what's going to get him there. So what glue guys are in a different locker room that he's going to go to that he has that chemistry, that development with outside of going to Raiders. It's just Devontae Adams. There's nobody else that he probably played with there. So I think bringing back Randall Cobb, if uh, he actually might, I think I believe he's a free agent. Um, but Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, David Bakhtiari, and uh, Robert Tunney are all guys that he has said that are glue guys, and he'd like to see in the locker room. But you know, if if we can't bring back Tunney because he wants this big contract, I don't think Rodgers would look at that as oh, we're not offering to pay him. We just have to work within the cap, and Rodgers has to acknowledge that he has a heavy cap hip, which can be restructured and moved around. The cap is almost non-existent nowadays with void years and all that BS. But uh, I just I really don't see him playing in another team, and if he does, I the only team I could see that. Would make sense would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I see what you're saying by that. Um, I just I feel like there's 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 more missing than just a restructured contract with them. I feel like it's just trying to beat the head over a nail with something that you know what they aren't really that far off. You guys have a defense now that is pretty solid. So there, there there's 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 a lot for Rodgers to come back to. I just see it as sell high now's the time but that mean to say that sell high now's the time that's out of the question the Packers aren't going to trade him unless if he wants to be traded they've made that abundantly clear through this whole process 
So that concept of it and to think that so so put yourself in, in a Packers fan right now and a Packers organization. You invested a first round pick in this guy, didn't play for three years, and then turned a three or then for the next fifteen years, won four MVPs, one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl MVP, multiple all pros, and is always in the consideration for a top three quarterback in the NFL. As an organization, you cannot just get rid of that to sell high. It has never happened at the quarterback position outside of maybe Peyton Manning, and that was under different circumstances with the neck injury and Andrew Luck, a generational talent from the get-go coming in. So that is a little bit different situation. Brady was a free agent, went to the Bucks. Drew Brees requested a trade from the Chargers and went to the, or I, I believe he got traded. If not, he signed as a free agent with the Saints. You know, so to, to for, for you to get rid of a quarterback that is coming off of not more than two years ago, was an almost unanimous MVP in the league. Like, an organization isn't going to get rid of that to see what you have in uh, question mark in Jordan Love. Like, so, like, that concept of it there, I can't get behind at all just because of what he's meant to the organization and how much they've already said that they would welcome him back with open arms. All right, boys, that was one heck of an episode. I had a really good time. I'm glad we got to talk about the awards and some offseason moves and some predictions of where Mr. Rogers is going. It's been an absolute pleasure, boys. We will be back next week with episode four of Banner with the Boys. Kevin, cue the music. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe. Tune in next time for more Banter with the Boys.